You are listening to the sermon audio of New Hope Community Church in Canaan, New Hampshire. For more information, visit our website at newhopecommunity.net. Life, as we know it, is filled with transactions and exchanges. Every week, most of us work around 40 plus hours in exchange for a paycheck. And then we take that money we have earned and use that to exchange it for necessities in life, food, clothing, housing, or maybe once in a while we exchange it for a certain luxury. So we understand the concept of exchange and transactions. But Good Friday gives us an opportunity to look at what is the greatest exchange ever, and that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sins and mine by his death on the cross. Something that we should always keep before us. And so I'd like to spend a few minutes in looking at the concept of exchange and transactions through the eyes of one of the apostles. An apostle who you probably are very familiar with. An apostle who in fact denied Christ three times before his crucifixion. And that was later restored and continued on serving his Lord and his Savior faithfully. And that is Peter. How did Peter view the transaction that occurred with Christ on the cross? Well, we have a hint of how he processed that because we have two letters in the New Testament, First and Second Peter, written about 30, 35 years after the crucifixion where we see now an older man who has faithfully and diligently been serving Christ and has never lost sight of what we call the atonement, Christ dying and paying the penalty for his sins and his failures. In other words, a glimpse at first, Peter would tell us that the apostle Peter stood in awe and was humbled by the doctrine of the atonement. Now, the word atone comes out of the Old Testament, means to cover. And so the sacrifices which were to point us to Christ were a temporary covering, a means of putting our faith in not our own efforts and works, but in God's provision for the covering of sin. Peter, as a Jew, would have been very familiar and steeped in the Old Testament teaching about atoning, a covering. For our sins. But as you may well know that in the New Testament, we don't find the word atonement, but what we do tend to find more frequently is the word to reconcile or reconciliation. So when Paul in 2 Corinthians speaks of being reconciled, he's speaking of how through Christ the penalty for our sins have been paid. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring all to God. There you have that ultimate transaction. The righteous dies for the unrighteous. Our sins are charged to Christ. Christ's righteousness is charged back to us. This is what we refer to as the doctrine of the atonement the biblical teaching of what happened at the cross. Why was it necessary 
that this would secure forgiveness of sin. And so you can find many different working definitions of the doctrine of the Trinity. Here's one that I think says it quite succinctly. It is the priestly work of Jesus Christ by which he offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins to satisfy divine justice and reconcile us to God. God is a holy God. And so sin must be paid for. It must be atoned. But how? Only through a perfect sacrifice. And yet a sacrifice that could identify fully with us and yet be without sin to best represent us. It is no surprise that throughout church history, various confessions and catechisms emphasize the doctrine of the atonement. And one of those in particular is the Heidelberg Catechism written in the 16th century. And you come to question 56 in the catechism. And here's the question that would be put before those being instructed in this form of teaching. The question would be, what do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sin? And the answer you would have memorized that you would recite is as follows. That God, for the sake of Christ's satisfaction, will no more remember my sins, that I may never, ever come into condemnation. Just think that not only have your sins been paid in full backwards, they have been paid in full forwards as well. Never to fall into condemnation again. That your sins are remembered no more. Past, present, and future. But reflecting on Peter's awe and being humbled by the doctrine of the atonement, Peter also writes this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so Peter was not just in awe of the doctrine of the atonement, but he understood this great exchange defines what it means to be a follower of Christ. In other words, we are to follow and walk in the very footsteps of Christ while realizing his death was unique. He died to satisfy God's justice. We cannot do that. But yet, out of that picture of his self-sacrificial love is the reminder that as his followers, by faith, we now belong to Christ. And therefore, we are to imitate him. In other words, the doctrine of the atonement is not just about how you stand forgiven in Christ, but it's now also about how you are to follow Christ. It sets the parameters for discipleship and being a disciple. Peter concludes his first letter, 1 Peter in chapter 5, and says this, And the God of all grace, who called you to eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you firm, steadfast, and immovable. Note how Peter weaves together. Here's the doctrine of the atonement, but here's also 
why we understand discipleship following Christ entails that we too may have to suffer out of obedience to Jesus Christ. I am confident that the more we understand the Apostle Peter, the more we will see the atonement as the great exchange. In fact, I'm confident that Peter would agree the cross of Christ is the jewel of the Christian faith. It can be examined in all its dimensions, but as a whole, all we can do is step back and admire it and stand in awe of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as our worship is focused this evening on Christ's death on our behalf, we also realize that his death was an act involving the Father and the Spirit as well. It is the Father who planned salvation. It is the Son who accomplished it through his death. And it is your Spirit who raised him from the dead, who applies that salvation, that exchange to us through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so may we also stand in awe and never grow tired of hearing and learning once again of that great exchange that was paid at Calvary. We pray these things in our Savior's name. Amen.